Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by the Quintus Technologies ebook, High Pressure Heat Treatment Leading the Renaissance of Hot Isostatic Pressing. Download your copy at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash ebook. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Leone, editor of Heat Treat Radio. Today, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, and Josh Hale, managing recruiter at International Search Partners, address the big question, how can heat treaters obtain, retain, and maintain top-shelf workers in a demanding economic climate? Let's take a listen. I don't think that we've had a a non-technical issue that is as important as this one, and that is the labor shortage that is real and that uh, most people believe is going to get only worse over the next several years. But here to discuss that with with us is Josh Hale, who is with International Search Partners. Uh, Josh, first off, welcome to Heat Treat Radio. And if you don't mind, if you would just give our listeners just a brief background about you, where you've come from, and and your uh, role in... uh, helping people fill uh, uh, fill roles in the heat treat industry. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Doug. Uh, I've been recruiting since about 2004. And when I say recruiting, helping different companies identify, hire, and um, engage and eventually bring on board uh, employees of all various types of levels. Um, yeah. So International Search Partners, we were actually founded in 1998. Um, so for over 20 years, I've been working pretty exclusively in the heat treat space. Um, I always kind of say we do about half our business with furnace and oven manufacturers, about half with commercial heat treaters, and then like a mix of some stuff sort of tangential to the industry, whether that be forging companies or, you know, other kind of industrial manufacturing. So, um, again, I've been recruiting it in the personnel, hiring, um, like you said, job market space for a long time. I actually came in, joined ISP and acquired the company um, about six or seven years ago now. So um, ISP has got a long history in heat treat. I've got a long history in recruiting. And here we are. Yeah, yeah, and you're 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 in the right business at the right time. I can tell you because it's uh, it seems very interesting out there. So I was looking at your website, and I got to deviate from a little bit. So it's not just you. Apparently, you've got at least one other person and two canines that are helpful to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one of the canines is here in the room. If the computer weren't <laughs> mounted up, I could show them off. <laughs> so you got what? Jessica is one of your uh, uh, a helper, a partner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Jessica works with us. She's based out of San Diego. I'm based out of Austin, Texas. Um, you know, we work remote, work from home. So I've got the uh, kind of weekend vibes with the Hawaiian shirt here today. I don't need to go into the office or anything. Um, right. But yeah, we work very um, consistently and tightly together. And then Jim McNeil, who actually founded our company in 1998, uh, we kind of jokingly call him, you know, President Emeritus. Uh, but with that Emeritus status, he kind of works with us on a few select clients here and there. And then we've got kind of a rotating group of, um, you know, consultants that we bring on board on more of a um, ad hoc basis. Yeah. So we're, we're prepared and w- able to scale as necessary for hot markets like this. Um, okay. But uh, the core is me and Jessica and for, you know, a smaller industry like Heat Treat, that works pretty well. Okay, great. I would be remiss not to mention, we also have a, a new junior recruiter. Jessica just recently had a baby. So she's got... Uh, ah, very nice. Congratulations to Jessica. Yeah. Very good. So two-month-old Lincoln is uh, practicing to be able to pick up the phone here pretty soon and help us out too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, at the time of this recording, since we're talking about babies, 
one of our one of our staff members is actually in the hospital delivering. So we'll. Oh we, wow. We'll, yeah, we're hoping so, for the hoping for the best there. We're waiting for news. So in about twenty five years, we'll be celebrating the new forty under forty class between. That's the right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. You know, and I should mention that Josh was a, a member of our forty under forty class in what nineteen uh, or twenty. Yeah, I think so. The year before the pandemic. Yeah, so been nineteen, I guess. Nineteen, yeah. nineteen. Yep. So congratulations on that. Anyhow, so Thank let's you. let's talk about this. I mean, based on your business, you you probably more than anybody in the heat treat industry have a a, a good thirty thousand foot view of the labor situation. Mm-hmm. So is it? I mean, how how severe is it? Is it severe? How severe is it? And uh, you know, what what can we what can we say about that at this point? Yeah, so I mean, I haven't seen anything like this in you know all my years of recruiting in or outside of heat treat. I think it's affecting a lot of industries, and you know most of the um, data points I'd reference on this are like a little more empirical. Um, but for example, I was in St. Louis for the uh, ASM show a couple weeks ago, and I was just kind of making my rounds, saying hi to people. I usually like to go to the shows to you know put a face behind a name and people I typically spend time on the phone with or emailing. And just everybody was telling me, hey, we need help. Please help me find a candidate. We need we need candidates. Please send us resumes. And that was like the consistent theme. So it's just kind of like, you know, an empirical um, data point there. Um, you know, we tend to keep track of our open searches in kind of a, a fluid way, if you will. So without kind of, you know, getting to the weeds too much, what I mean by that is we've got Clients that come to us with, hey, we got an empty seat, we need to fill it, we'll go out there and find somebody. We've got clients who come and retain our services for really urgent searches. Mm-hmm. But we actually do quite a lot of business in the what I call the um, kind of like, you know, keeping our eyes open. Like, hey, right. you don't necessarily have an opening, but you like to see good talent when we come across it. Since I specialize in the industry, I can kind of keep you in mind. So we do a lot of work that way too, which is kind of like, you know, less of an open position, more of like a keep your eyes open situation. So with that, it's kind of like the the situation, how we work. Typically we may have anywhere between, I'll call it like 20 to 30, like, you know, real open positions and then maybe 50% more on this kind of like keep your eyes open thing. Right. Um, right now I have probably what I could call like 50 to 55 actual open positions. So, you know, twice as much as normal. And this is honestly in this type of market, this is with me not doing any kind of, you know, real outbound, you know, efforts to generate new positions because I just have too much to work on. Right. So that's just kind of like the, again, it's kind of empirical, it's not real data driven, but from my experience, I've never seen it like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in essence, it's, it it is real. I don't think we have to convince anyone of that. From your Uh perspective, it's pretty nearly doubled your not quite, but pretty near double double the number of open positions that you're actively looking for, and I'm quite I'm quite sure there would be a lot of people in that other category you mentioned about. You know, if you find somebody, let me know. Right, right. Yeah. So and I, certainly, just, there's an opportunity for a lot more open positions if I were to you know chase after it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just in a situation where there's just so much business right now for you know existing clients that are getting a new client. Um, right. You know. Yeah. Would be would be difficult. Well, after this airs, you might have to hire a uh, third and fourth uh, partner here to get things going. Because I, I can tell you, there's a lot of people looking. So, just anecdotally from our side, we just got back. We, meaning myself and and my wife, went to the uh, the Metal Treating Institute fall meeting this year down in your neck of the woods, right down in San Antonio. Yeah. We we're just talking about that before we hit the uh, hit the record button. And to a man, to a company, to a person, uh, everybody was looking for people to work, you know, mm-hmm. not, and, and it could be in, 
in key higher level management areas as well as shop floor. I need a guy that knows how to load a furnace, you know. I mean, so in your your company specifically, just very briefly, are you guys dealing with uh, furnace operator type people or you tend to deal with more of the engineer slash management type folks? More of the engineer slash management type folks is where we really specialize. Okay. You know, we placed the furnace operator or two here in the last couple of years, but it's very rare for us. Yeah. Um, but from talking to customers, talking to clients, talking to people, those hourly production type positions are definitely a situation where companies are struggling. Yeah. So um, kind of a long way to, way to answer your question. But historically, we haven't really done a lot of work in that space. Because yeah. at that you know hourly production level, you can hire somebody off the street. You can kind of train them. You're right. not going to necessarily pay my fee to go out there and find that type of person. Right. Well, in this market, more and more companies are telling me they're willing to pay a fee if we can find somebody. Um, yeah. So it's it's coming up more and more. Yeah, yeah, and that is the operative word. If they can find, if you can find someone, which is not easy. I mean, right. obviously, a lot of those jobs tend to be more regional. You can hire people locally, so but it's difficult. Okay, so I want to I want to delve into causation here a bit. So we know we have got got a very very tight labor market, and there are a lot of theories around about why that is. I'm curious from your perspective, Josh, what's causing it? What what's the issue here? There's a lot of like theorization out there. I could spend hours going down the rabbit hole. There's some really interesting theories. In fact, did you listen to the guy speak the keynote at MTI? He has yes. um, talked a little bit about this idea of um, the the men not coming back to the workforce. And I, I've listened to some of his talks. And one thing that he mentioned that I really buy into is this idea that you know the boomer um, generation had dual incomes. They're working. They really generate a lot of wealth. And that wealth now planning to get inherited by younger generations. So these younger generations kind of see that and maybe aren't necessarily motivated to work as much. Um, so this is kind of a theory that I would buy into because one of the other aspects I'm kind of um, seeing a lot of in the market and I've heard people opine on in some of the editorials out there is this idea of what they call the YOLO economy. Have you heard of this? No, YOLO, no. Huh? So the YOLO economy is basically the idea that, hey, you only live once. And now people are kind of coming at this being like, especially coming out of COVID, like, you know, I don't want to go back to that job. I want to, uh, you know, try to get the band back together. You know, I, yeah. I want to go, I want to go write a novel. I want to, you know, I do these crafts. I could start a little Etsy business and sell those online. Right. So, you know, or I, I can travel more, you know what I mean? Maybe work part-time and travel or things like this, especially if they got some uh, foundation from inheritance. I see that as like a real factor here. It's for someone like me is, you know, <laughs> really a hard work and knows their grinds, what kind of guys so hard to put your mindset around, but yeah. even just in talking to prospective candidates, like I hear it come up a lot. Like, it's just yeah. like, Hey, you know, I'm done going to the office 40 hours a week. Right. Right. Very, very interesting. Uh, first off, YOLO is great. I hadn't, hadn't heard that before. So that's, that's helpful, but you know, it is interesting. Uh, the, the change in psychology, if you will, it's something. It's something really only a uh, a first world nation, first world economy, which is a lot of the western western hemisphere is these days, and and other places where there's there's enough wealth out there, they don't really need to worry about working. Mm-hmm. And and where I'm I'm a boomer, right? I'm on the tail end of the boomers. So yeah, right. Double double income or whatever. The kids wouldn't necessarily need to worry about working and. You know, if you don't need to work, you don't. You don't. I mean, that that is the nature of man. So yeah, yeah very very sure. interesting. 
And another factor I think that's kind of come into play here, um, speaking of like not working is especially COVID kind of affected this. People were retiring earlier. Yes. Um, you know, if you were going to retire, you know, in three or four years while well, COVID hits, I uh, may as well do it now. That kind of thing yeah. is coming up. Yeah. Um, and that affects, you know, heat tree, especially it's kind of a little bit of an older industry in terms of the core workforce. Right. So we're seeing a lot of that too. So just people retiring, people not wanting to go back to work, all those factors definitely affect it. I mean, there's a confluence of things. Like I said, we could spend, you know, hours going down this rabbit hole. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, even even things like uh, things as political, if you will, as immigration policy, are certainly having an effect on on uh, labor, the labor market. So, yeah, it's very very interesting. All right, so let, let's let's move on to this. Um, what kind of advice uh, would you give, Josh, to companies? nowadays who are looking to fill fill a position i mean which is essentially as we said pretty much everybody sure, yeah. from from your perspective what are the what are some of the fundamentals they ought to be thinking about so the analogy i always like to use when people talk about kind of recruiting or hiring is like the sports team right so if you are there and you're trying to build out the world's greatest basketball team just like you're trying to build out the world's greatest heat tree the world's greatest greatest furnace uh oem if you're going to try to do that, you want to attract the best people for your team, right? Right. So if you the, the, you take this analogy down further, if you're trying to build the world's best basketball team, you're not going to hope that LeBron James applies to join your team. Yeah. You're going to go out there and like tap him on the shoulder and be like, hey, my team's really good. Come join us. We're a championship squad, right? So right. really take that kind of proactive re- recruit, recruiting approach. Um, so, you know, that's that's part of the services that obviously our company offers um, is that we specialize in this. We're in this day in, day out. We're kind of building up that kind of bench of people to go out there and proactively recruit. Again, not coming in, applying to a job. Um, but you can do that if you have your own company, too. I would advise anybody who owns a business or is managing a business to have a good pipeline of people at the ready all the time. Right. Um, and it's easy to get comfortable. Hey, I've got my team. I've got, you know, my department set up. Um, well, it's not going to be like that a lot. You know, somebody like me might go on there and pull somebody away. So I say, right. <laughs> somebody might retire. You're not, you're not um, doing yourself any favors. <laughs> <than> that, <Josh. laughs> so, well, you know, if it happens, I always tell people we can either be a client or it could be a source. It's we'll, we'll, one or the other. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you know, somebody might retire. Somebody might take that YOLO uh, philosophy and go leave, right? So you should always kind of have that bench going, kind of always continually be networking. Think about that. Um, I tell people, too, you don't want to be afraid to um, top grade. You know, if you do have the opportunity to bring somebody in who's, who's maybe better than an existing person, that can help you and your team and and can kind of build up the, the morale and the, the, the kind of overall core a little bit better. Now, what, um, do, you, what do you mean by that? Are you suggesting you replace a person you're currently happy with with somebody that's better or just hire them in addition to that person yeah i mean if you can hire in addition to i think that's the best solution because it just yeah. sort of widens your bench a little bit to yeah. use a sports team analogy if you can you know replace your starter put your starter on the bench and i got a great guy who can come in there and you know pitch yeah. it or whatever that helps yeah. a lot um right. so just kind of you having that kind of philosophy it's kind of a forward-thinking philosophy it's a proactive type philosophy i think that's the biggest thing you, you can't wait until someone gives notice and leaves and now you got an empty seat, and now you're struggling. Your hair's on fire. You really kind of do this constantly, right? Um, so that's kind of my biggest piece of advice. The other bullet point that comes up when I think about this, and there's people out there that don't want to hear it, but you really need to kind of like probably loosen your um, requirements a little bit, right? Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people coming to me and be like, "Hey, got an opening. We need to, you know, have X, Y, Z on the resume and right. run everything else." And it's like, look. That person you're looking for, they just don't exist. <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> kind of got 
be a little more realistic in your requirements and um, you know, hopefully uh, that help attract the right people. We'll return to Josh and Doug in just a second to talk about maintaining talent. But speaking of employees, are you part of a forward-thinking team? Perhaps right now you're even looking for resources to help your team understand cutting-edge heat treat technologies. And if so, you have to check out the free ebook, High Pressure Heat Treatment, Leading the Renaissance of Hot Isostatic Pressing. This short resource is provided by Heat Treat Today in conjunction with the great people over at Quintus Technologies. In high-pressure heat treatment, leading the renaissance, you'll learn critical knowledge about hot isostatic pressing as well as where the technology is going. Download high-pressure heat treatment, leading the renaissance of hot isostatic pressing to find out more. Again, your copy to freely download is at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash ebook. Now, let's return to Josh and Doug. Once they've got that person in-house, let's say, um, you know, one of the other big concerns here is they, they can gain the right people, but how do you maintain them? All right. How do you maintain them? What, what type of advice would you give companies for keeping good workers? Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to the idea of trying to be a little more forward thinking. You know, I think mm-hmm. COVID shifted a lot of things. So um, right. I've seen a lot of stats, you know, more and more people are allowing people to work from home. That's not always, you know, possible in a, you know, heat treater, you know, commercial uh, manufacturing type environment. But if it is possible to spend a day at home, you know, doing some CAD drawings, let them do that. Um, that disengages them more, makes them more feel more uh, at home. Um, being creative with some of the compensation. Uh, more and more companies are paying more and more. I think wages are going to generally kind of increase. But at the yeah. end of the day, the market is kind of the market. So, you know, I don't expect anybody to just overpay just to hire somebody. Right. I think that kind of helps either party. But there's other in creative ways with compensation. Vacation is a big one. Some work-life balance. Um, you know, there are types of benefits. Uh, those kind of things go a long way. Um, and then, too, like just kind of trying to have that good, you know, morale is kind of a cliche word. But right. it carries a lot of weight. It gives you a reputation. The market is a place that you want to work for. You know, right. I've heard that, that people like to work for basically kind of three things. Um, you know, it's it's an it's autonomy, it's purpose, and it's like mastery, right? So you can get somebody in there and give them those things. You know, give them some opportunity to kind of work and do their thing. You know, with that autonomous nature. You know, not being micromanaged. Um, give them some ability to be trained, to grow and develop, and kind of create that mastery. And then if you can get them on there, you know, for a bigger purpose, that really helps a lot too. Um, people don't want to be just kind of a cog in the system, but if they know yeah. they're contributing to whatever it is, growth or um, right. you know, more market share or, um, you know, new R&D developments, these kind of things. If they're feeling like contributing something bigger, that's going to right. keep them on board, that's going to keep them passionate about it. And it's going to probably help them maybe think they want to bring their friends into the fold. That's another right. great way to hire is that internal referral program. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen over the time you've been doing this, have you seen the motivation for people who want to work change? I mean, I know the, the guys you were talking about, the the uh, fellow who gave the presentation at the most recent MTI meeting. And, you know, they talk about the differences in the generations, the boomers, the, the X, the Y, the millennials, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen tangible evidence of the of a shift in the motivation of what what really does engage the different age groups yeah so i'd say i might answer that a couple different ways um you know at the end of the day you know 
nobody's working for free. So, you know, yeah. salary is a, a consistent hot button for anybody looking to make a move. But I have seen a lot of people tell me that one of their reasons they're looking to leave their company um, is the just kind of stagnation. Mm-hmm. So sure. when I talk about that kind of like overall purpose, a lot of people I talk to are saying, look, the company I'm with has been doing the same thing the same way for 50 years. And I'm interested in, you know, making some upgrades. And I can't tell you how many times I've placed a candidate. You know, I ask everybody I work with, why, why are you looking to make a move? Why would you consider leaving your current company? Yeah. And one of the consistent answers I get is like, well, you know what? Like I made a suggestion for improvement and my boss told me that we're not going to do it that. And I know it's going to make an impact and they're not letting me. So having that kind of, again, um, just kind of forward thinking and engage the employees, you know, try, try, try their ideas out, be willing to invest in new technology. Right. Right. If you, if you still got microfiche in your company, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) For for those of you who don't know what that is, you better Google that one. Microfiche. (laughs) <laughs> right but I, but I mean i'm serious like you know move on to the touchscreen computers or the ipad you know what i mean like people are still right. doing stuff with triplicate and the field service you know reports and things like this so yeah um, i do think like you know just kind of that improvement taking the ideas people want to work for like uh you know uh technologically advanced company that they can yeah. feel good about right right so i'm gonna see i'm gonna see if you know this one so i said i stole somebody the other day i said i still remember when i was in school using a mimeograph machine <laughs> I don't know if you know what that one is, but that, I think I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, that's it's what that was the way before Xerox machines, right? When you did oh, hard wow. copies, you yeah. put this you'd put this thing on a drum and you'd basically turn it and it would crank out copies in blue. Anyhow, it's an old time one. All right, so let's let's move from the company's perspective. Uh, you know, advice to help a company who's looking to hire someone to just talking to the individual who might be in a position what you just talked about, or maybe some other motivation that says, you know what, time for me to move. I need to make a move for whatever the reason might be. Is there any advice you can give those people for entering a labor market? Obviously, it's a, it's a, a job seekers market, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say a couple of things. One, you just hit the nail that my, my first piece of advice is it is a job seekers market. So yeah. like, but it's now. This is not like a job seekers market forever, right? Yeah. So I think strike while the iron's hot. If you have any potential idea, any inkling that maybe there's something better out there for you, I'm of the opinion nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. I kind of use the idea that you know there's a big mistake, small mistake, right? Yeah. It would be a it would be a big mistake to pass on the opportunity to land your dream job, but it's a small mistake to spend 30 minutes on a phone interview with the company. Yeah. So I would kind of you know, encourage someone to, to talk to anybody, put some feelers out there, have those kind of initial phone interviews. Now, when you kind of get down the process of an interview, if you decide you're not going to work with the company, you don't want to waste people's time. But for an initial phone interview, sending a resume off, again, it's really a truly nothing venture, nothing gained. It's, it's a big mistake to miss the opportunity, but a little mistake to not even try. Um, right. And so I, I definitely encourage that. Um, also think people, if they're really, you know, looking to out for their career, if at all possible, opening up the geography helps a lot. Um, I know for some people that's just not possible, but you know, if you could maybe be a little more uh, bold in looking at some potential different regions, different areas, things like that, um, that definitely opens up the door a lot more potential. Right. Right. Um, and then the other thing I kind of, uh, would advise people to, or when people come in for these kind of questions is they ask is, you know, everyone's looking for like the next step. And I think people have in their mind this idea of like their career progression is going to be kind of on a linear kind of, you know, upgrade like this. 
Yeah. And what I tell people is like, it's not always going to be like that. And if you kind of think of it more like a step, like more like up, across, up, across. Right. That that visual, I think, sometimes helps people because what you're going to want to do is kind of leverage your current skills to get to that next company that can then, you know, catapult you up a bit. Um, but it's not necessarily going to be, you know, going from, you know, engineer to engineering manager. But it might right. be going from you know, engineer to senior engineer with opportunity moving to engineering manager. Right. So just kind of being realistic of some of those expectations and not being afraid to, um, I think, utilize your skill set and like leverage that into a new company. Because I hear a lot of times too, people are saying, you know, well, I've been an engineer for 10 years. I'm kind of bored with it. I don't want to do CAD drawings anymore. I'm yep. like, but you're really good at that. And that's in demand right now. So like, maybe get with a company where you can do, you know, 80% CAD instead of 100% CAD and spend 20% of your time on projects you like. You yep. kind of need to, you know, step it up again instead of just going li- linear with the growth. Right, right. What do you say to those people who are, uh, some might call them naysayers, other might call them very pragmatic people who say, well, the grass is always greener. You know? <laughs> what do you what do you say to those folks who are kind of discouraging uh, employ employees from looking at something else because you know you're going to go over to that company and it's not going to be what you thought it was? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, certainly some validity to that, but also, like I said, it's kind of a, a nothing venture, nothing gain situation. So I think right. the people who have really successful careers are bold and they take some of these risks. And you right. got to look at it on kind of a case by case basis. Like there's been many a time I've talked to somebody who's had kind of a jumping work history and they've kind of maybe have had that grass is greener mentality a little too often. And yeah. I've told them, look, you should probably get a couple of years in your belt before you talk to me. <laughs> so so th- yeah. there's, there's cases where that makes sense. Yeah. But I think especially in heat treat, I've seen a lot of people have been stable. They stay at their company a long time. And yeah. if you've been at their company, especially going on like maybe around the 10 year mark, it's yeah. kind of time to think about it. Like I, I'd say between that kind of seven to 12 years, um, you kind of start thinking, are you going to retire at the company right now? Or are you going to start to make a right. move? Because th- right. there's sort of a, the opposite of being too jumpy is being a little too stable. Sometimes right. people look at someone, we've been with one company for 30 years, like you're not going to learn our ways. Yeah. So there is kind of a happy medium there. But um, like I said, I would just tell people, look, be, be bold. Don't be afraid to take risks. And this is a good market and your skills are in demand. Like if you land with the wrong company, like you'll find yeah. something else. Like it's not, it's not that big of a risk. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely when you're going through the interview process, ask a lot of questions. The candidate is interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing the candidate. Right, right. Well, it's a scary thing to change change jobs. Uh, I've heard statistics say that it's the one thing that's that that frightens people more than public speaking is losing their job. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? Now, you mentioned back, Josh, you're, one of your first things, one of your first pieces of advice here for potential job seekers was, you know, strike while the iron's hot. This is this is the time. And you mentioned it's not going to last forever. How long do you think this tight labor market <laughs> is going to be around? I mean, well, what's your sure. what's your prognostication here? I guess for my business, I hope forever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, Life yeah. is good right now. Yeah, but I really don't think so. I mean, these things are kind of cyclical, right? So, you know, I, I would say we probably got at least another two, three years. It's going to be a little like this. Yeah. Um, and then we'll probably see the broader economy start to shift a little bit at that time. And then I think, too, it's going to depend a little bit um, on how our industry is affected specifically. With yeah. you know, There's some political uh, implications. Um, I think COVID helped quite a bit in bringing some of the uh, um, manufacturing onshore, which yeah. I've, I've read about you know, in the heat tree today a couple of times. So there's some things in our industry that might make it even tighter for longer. Yeah. Um, 
I think too, and this uh, maybe you have some comments on this, Doug, from the MTI meeting, but there seems to be a little bit of um, uh, resistance in heat treat to to get with some technology, like bringing in some robotics and things of this nature yeah. that would probably help with the labor market. But I think in our industry in specifics, maybe it doesn't go that way as fast as some other industries. So, yeah. no, I think that's true. I was I was listening to those conversations uh, when they were talking about the introduction of robotics and. I don't know. I mean, I, to to me, my my initial thought was, well, that's easy. Robotics are easy if you've got high volume, low variable production, right? Mm-hmm. You got, in other words, you've got uh, you're running a lot of the same part. In especially with commercial heat treating, although which is not necessarily a large portion of the, of the audience that we have. A lot of what we have are are the captive heat treaters, but and especially in the commercial heat treat world, you're dealing with basically a job shop, which is very hard to automate. Right. Automate, but with our again with our our uh, you know our more typical listener reader with the captive heat treat shops, that there is there is the opportunity for that, and those things could definitely. Make a difference in the labor market. So yeah, it's important. I think those people will move in that direction. I think we we all will. The more comfortable we become with automation and artificial intelligence and things like that, will the more we'll move in that direction. So, well, this has been good. Uh, any anything else? I always like to just ask a question, just in case there's anything else that has popped to your mind that you think would be helpful to our listeners. Anything else you would want to add? No, I mean, it's a really interesting time right now. So, you know, I don't know that I'd add anything than, than we've talked about, but there's a lot of speculation out there, um, a lot of interesting analyses about what's happening. And it just, like, like I said, it could be a rabbit hole. We spent a lot of time going down. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. So for sure, anybody who's thinking that there's even a potential, there's a better opportunity, I'd strike now while the iron's hot. And if our yeah. company's looking higher, I would just kind of get get creative, try to be proactive. Um, right. reach out to those people and try to have that bench of candidates and, and try to think about how you can loosen your requirements. You can provide in-house training or, or um, you know, maybe have somebody hits, you know, eight out of 10 bullet points you want instead of 10 out of 10. Yeah. That helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, good. So let's. how would people get in touch with you, Josh, or with the company? I know you've got a website. Uh, I'm sure you've got an email address and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're anxious to give out your cell phone number so people can call you <laughs> in the middle of the night. For sure, for sure. You can reach me anytime. I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's just Josh Hale on LinkedIn. You'll see me post interesting articles and stuff related to employment news and heat treat news, that kind of thing. Um, and then you can find our websites, internationalsearchpartners.net, um, okay. or email me. It's joshh at internationalsearchpartners.net. So okay. Great. pretty easy to find out there in the interwebs. Good, good, good. Internationalsearchpartners.net. Let's make a note of that. It's not .com, but it's .net. And you can go onto that website and 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 see see all of the all of the uh, workers there, including the two canine workers, which will, which will be fine. Nice looking dogs Absolutely. you got on there. Thank you, thank you. Oh, I will mention too for anybody um, you know looking for work, we do have a jobs page on our website too that shows yeah. pretty much all of our active open positions, so you can apply directly on there. Good, good. And I and, and finally, just to give a, a little bit of a shameless plug, Josh and Josh has a on every single one of our heat treat dailies, which comes as a newsletter that goes out every weekday, we do list job openings there, uh, things that need to be filled. So you you should check those. So if you want to subscribe to that, you can just simply go to heattreattoday.com slash subscribe, and uh, you can subscribe to receive the heat treat daily, daily there. So Josh, thank you very much. Really appreciate your expertise. 
Try not to try not to overwork yourself. Yeah, I'll try. Thanks for having me on, Doug. It was fun. All right, real good. Happy to talk about the market. So, all right, sounds good. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode with Josh Hale of International Search Partners. Heat Treat Radio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heattreattoday.com forward slash radio. To reach out to today's guest, you can connect with Josh Hale on LinkedIn or email him at joshh at internationalsearchpartners.net. You can also head on to the website at www.internationalsearchpartners.net. Also, feel free to email me and I'll put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're always interested in new Heat Treat Radio topics, so send me an email with something you find interesting and we'll talk about a future Heat Treat Radio episode. Or if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know and we'll be in touch. Again, my email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. Head over to heattreattoday.com to find out some more special videos, either on Heat Treat Radio or on the Heat Treat TV landing page. There's a lot of interesting content, if it's a site tour or a how-to or a basics of heat treat, in addition to more of our special content. If you check in on Tuesdays, we have our technical Tuesdays, and you'll be sure to find an article that really hones into a special heat treating topic. You can subscribe to our industry-specific e-newsletters at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash subscribe, and of course, follow us on social media so you can be a part of some of the latest heat treating conversations. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Quintus Technologies' ebook High Pressure Heat Treatment Leading the Renaissance of Hot Isostatic Pressing for sponsoring this episode. Download your copy at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash ebook. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd, audio producer extraordinaire, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening.